Welcome to the San Antonio Baptist Association. You're listening to a Sabbath Talks podcast. Welcome to another Sabbath Talks today. We want to thank you for listening. If you haven't listened to the previous uh, podcast that was released last week, we would ask that you would go back and listen to that podcast. It's called A Pastor's Perspective on Congregational Prayer. And today, once again, we want to continue the conversation. It is just three of us today talking about what God is doing and what he has been doing. And we'll go around the room and let each one introduce themselves. I'm Daryl Horn, Executive Director of the San Antonio Baptist Association. And we'll go around the room and let everybody introduce themselves. Uh, my name is Roland Lopez, and uh, I am uh, also with the San Antonio Baptist Association, and my responsibilities here are in the area of uh, planting of new churches and evangelism. And uh, my name is Juan de la Garza. I pastor Iglesia del Pueblo in Mission, Texas, and I'm so happy, uh, Dr. Horn and Dr. Roland, uh, thank you so much for having me. Uh, Pueblo de Dios is... A church here in our association have been members for over a year now, and we are blessed as an association to have them. Pastor Juan is, has been preaching since the uh, since Pentecost Sunday on the meaning of Pentecost, and we've asked him to be a part of our podcast today to share some of the things that uh, he's been sharing with his community. We feel like uh, it is uh, a word from God that we all need to consider. So if you would uh, listen today and be blessed, and we will turn it over to Pastor Juan. Uh, Pastor, if you would share with us some of the things that that you've been communicating about the realities of Pentecost for the church, uh, uh, get us caught up on uh, what what you've been sharing. Well, thank you again, Dr. Horn and uh, Dr. Roland. Thank you again for having me. It is a blessing. It it is my privilege to share what I'm about to share right now with you. Uh, Yes, I've been preaching on Pentecost, uh, and I've done a series of four messages. And, uh, you know, when COVID-19 came into the picture, uh, the church was kind of paralyzed. All of a sudden, we didn't know what to do. You know, we were locked in. Uh, we couldn't go anywhere. Everything was paralyzed, no services, uh, no more church, the way we used to do church. And uh, in those days, I started praying about what was happening in our world, in our nation, in our state, in our valley, And as I prayed, uh, I felt in my spirit that God was about to do something supernatural with the church, that this was not going to paralyze the church. This was not going to stop the church in any way or any source, that something, something was happening under the table, that God was doing something, and we didn't know what it was. So I was reminded of so many things as the weeks, you know, uh, started coming in and, 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 and we didn't know what to do. All of a sudden, every ministry is on media, on social media, 
And uh, we're calling people on the phone again, making contacts with our people. But during that time, Dr. Horn, I started praying. I mean, I'm going to come back to church. Uh, what am I going to say? What's, what's going to be the first words that are going to come out of my mouth? And uh, those weeks that I, was, uh, that I was in the house, I started reading about revivals. I started reading about, I mean, the history of revivals. I started reading a little bit more on the men that God used on those revivals. And then I went to the Bible, and I started looking at some of the revivals that happened in the Old Testament, New Testament. And it was like God taking me back to Pentecost. And somehow, somehow, I felt in my spirit that this uh, COVID-19 was going to be turned into some kind of a, a revival. And that's when I went to the book of Acts and I started reading. I had read the book of Acts, all the book of Acts for a couple of times. So I went back and I started looking at Pentecost and I wanted to know exactly what caused Pentecost. You know, what was, what was, uh, what was the message behind Pentecost? What was the message after Pentecost? What were the effects of Pentecost? So uh, uh, when I went to the book of Acts chapter 1, that's where everything started. We spoke about prayer last week. That's where everything started. People think that Pentecost started in chapter 2. But to me, Pentecost started in chapter 1. Chapter 1 says that 120 people went to an upper room. You see unity in that upper room. You see... uh, you see uh, uh, people not only coming together, but you see prayer, you see obedience, and you see all these wonderful things that we need as a church. So Pentecost started in chapter 1 with prayer. So if we, if we ever want to see anything happening in our church, it has to start with prayer. It doesn't, it doesn't start with a gift. It's not tongues. It doesn't start with that. It starts with prayers. So they started praying and believing God that God was going to make this happen. So in chapter 1, God promises, promises the Holy Spirit. But in chapter 1, they prayed. So in chapter 2, we see the results of 120 people that pray. And to me, Dr. Horn and Dr. Roland This is important to point out because everybody's speaking about revival, but nobody wants to pray. Everybody's speaking about the Holy Spirit, but nobody wants to pray. Everybody's talking about a great move of God, but you don't see people praying. I mean, you call people for prayer at church and you'll have two or three people. You call people for a party or some kind of a special event and you'll get a hundred people. But whenever you make a calling to pray, or you make a calling to evangelize, you don't find people interested in that. Everybody wants the results. Everybody wants the power. Everybody wants the Holy Spirit. Everybody wants to see the movement. Everybody wants to see revival, but nobody wants to pray. So to me, personally, when I went back to the Bible, everything that you see in the Bible that caused a great move of God, everything started with prayer. So I'm kind of repeating a little bit of what I said last week, 
But prayer, Dr. Horn and Dr. Rowland, becomes the key for anything that we want to do and, and make happen in our churches. So prayer is the key for this Pentecost. It seems to me like, Juan, it's, um, it's almost like maybe a pattern that God says, look, I'm, gonna, I'm giving you a pattern for, um, uh, for revival to take place. Um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, here's what I'm giving to you. And, um, as I mentioned, um, the last time I was, um, I was there with your church and hearing you when you kicked off the message. And what impressed me was, uh, uh, what you mentioned that, uh, Pentecost, of course, in our, uh, was an experience and it, mm-hmm. it turned into a movement and then it turns mm-hmm. in, it turned into a lifestyle, what they began to live. And believed that um, what that lifestyle was producing in uh, uh, the life of Christ that now has come to abide and live in them through the person of Holy Spirit, and mm-hmm. it was um, it was it's amazing how at times we can speak about the experience, and then we uh, very seldom move to the movement, but we will move uh, in, in you know uh, eventually we'll move that yeah it was a movement. Where we yeah. very seldom touch is the lifestyle of exactly. the characteristics, the transformation of that uh, of that church, and so uh, it seems to me like um, you know as, as you were sharing that, boy, that would that really resonated with me when um, when you were sharing it. Yes, well, and go ahead, sir. I, I was just going to say, following the the thought you've shared with us, I think is. A tremendous truth. I, I over the years I've come to believe that uh, prayer is such a key element because it causes us to depend on God and not on ourselves, mm-hmm. and it causes us to to seek God for anything to happen, and not be um, and not not be dependent on the the latest uh, book from Lifeway or some you know some material. Not that those are bad things, yeah. Some magazine, it 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 causes us to uh, to go back to our knees to seek the face of God, and that God might empower us. And I think that's where where God wants to keep us. And you you've been hitting on that topic uh, tremendously. That that's that's where that's where God wants to keep us. He wants to keep us in that lifestyle. And the closing, the closing of my message, uh, and Dr. Horn and Dr. Rowland, uh, this Sunday was based on Second Chronicles chapter seven, verse fourteen. Uh, I asked the church, "Do we really, do we really want to heal this land? Because the church is the key for the healing of the land. It is not the, it is not the president, it is not Congress." It is not our local officials. The Bible says it's my people, and it's talking specifically to the church. If my people will humble, that's the first thing. Humble yourself, humble myself. If my people will humble, if my people will seek my face, if my people, which means prayer, if my people uh, will convert from their old ways, then, the Bible says, 
I will heal the land. I mean, everybody wants healing when it comes to what's going on right now in our nation. And again, the church is the answer. We have the answer. If my people will just humble, if my people will seek my face, if my people will pray, if my people will convert, then I will heal the land. So we go back again to something that you just mentioned right now. Prayer is the key, and the church is the key. That's the reason why I'm very optimistic right now, because I see some kind of a movement. I see churches moving. I'm, I'm in the Rio Grande Valley, and right now, as we speak, there's a group of 100 pastors just across the border here in Reynosa uh, praying at the little placita in the middle of town, uh, asking the authorities, make the church essential, because it's, it's not essential over there. Make this church essential. We want to come back to church. We have the answer. We can pray, and God will answer. Of course, they don't want to let them do that. But uh, when Dr. Rowland was over here, Dr. Hone, I started sharing this message because everything starts uh, with an experience. Everything. Chapter 2, uh, verse 1, starting with verse 1, you have a beautiful, beautiful, powerful experience. They had never seen something like that. Not the apostles, not the people that were following, not the people that were present on Pentecost. They had never seen anything like it. It was a beautiful experience. It, it, it's like your, your experience of salvation, beautiful experience. All of a sudden, you're transformed. You're completely changed. And you don't know what to do. You don't know how to explain it. All you know is that, is that you had an experience, a powerful experience, an unforgettable experience. But what happens after that? That beautiful experience became a movement. All of a sudden, everywhere, every corner in that city, I mean, everybody knew about Pentecost, and everybody knew about Jesus, and everybody knew about that experience. I mean, it became a huge movement. But what happened after that? It became a culture. And I wanted to see, I wanted, when I started preaching on this part, I wanted to sow a seed in the life of every believer. And the seed was this. Uh, when Pentecost becomes a culture, you will do not only uh, for one day what happened in Pentecost. Because uh, nowadays, I mean, you got ministries and churches and even pastors saying, well, you know, miracles were for back then, you know, you don't, uh, you don't pray for people anymore. Well, what we see in the Bible, we see salvation, we see miracles, we see restoration, we see people coming back to God, we see repentance. And I feel, Dr. Horn, that this should be a lifestyle, this should be the culture of the church. We are here to preach the gospel. We are here to save the lost. We are here to restore the people. We are here to heal the people. That's the church's ministry. That's supposed to be key. This is supposed to be a lifestyle. This is what I do here in our church. 
we are forever, of course, uh, uh, planting the message of salvation, but we don't let a day go by or a church service go by without praying for the needs of the people. There's so much needs right now, so many needs right now. So when Pentecost became a culture for them, that's when the city started to change. You see, uh, an experience will not change a city. A movement will not change a city. A, uh, a culture, a culture will change a city. So this is what I would like to uh, say this morning and today. I want to say if, we bec- if Pentecost becomes a culture in our congregations, we will change our cities. Yeah, and, and I think, uh, 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 Brother Juan, Pastor Juan, that um, uh, you hit uh, some very, very important um, uh, things of, of application, and that is, uh, you know, the, the experience that we've had with the Lord Jesus that transformed life and, and movement, and, and uh, I think there's a, a renewed call for the application of uh, this new culture, this new lifestyle that has been, I believe, maybe omitted, uh, not with all, but with some, uh, omitted out of our lives that it, it is not a culture. It, uh, we, we base our, uh, our everything just on the experience we had, and mm-hmm. which is a phenomenal experience of coming to know Christ and uh, a rebirth, a transformed life. And then we joined uh, the movement and of uh, Christianity, and we call ourselves brothers and sisters in Christ, and that's a joy and a great thing and uh, great uh, things that are happening in the movement. But when it comes to the lifestyle of a renewed mind and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to move in a direction to be, to uh, uh, in Spanish, we would say revistidos. We're endued with mm-hmm. power and authority. Uh, that's the confidence that we have because it is part of the culture. We don't say uh, that it's um, it is the new thing, but it is the culture. That is the norm. That is what mm-hmm. a, I, I think maybe Watchman Nee uh, defined it best in his book uh, when he he wrote a book called The Normal uh, Christian Life. And that is, uh, it, it is, you know, that's the norm. It, it is the lifestyle. And so I think, uh, I think you've hit on something that is very important in uh, this day in which we live. Well, uh, that culture became normal to the church. So we see a culture of evangelism. And ye shall receive power, of course, to become witnesses. So we see a culture of evangelism birth in Pentecost. You see, there's something here that I need to say, uh, Dr. Horn and Dr. Roland. Uh, in this experience in Pentecost, I mean, you hear the word tongues there. But let me say something about tongues. Tongues have never changed anybody. What changed the people The miracle of Pentecost was not necessarily tongues. The miracle of Pentecost was to see transformation from normal people to supernatural people. 
from ordinary people to extraordinary people. That's what impacted the city. That's what made the impact. So that became a culture. They became, they had a culture of evangelism, a culture of word and prayer. You remember chapter 4, verse 31, chapter 6, verse 4, where they said, I mean, the church started growing, and all of a sudden, I mean, they needed needed to, to attend to the needs of the people. So this is what they said. You go ahead and let's go ahead and choose some people. That's where the first deacons came in. The first servants came in. Let's choose some people so that they can serve the tables, but we must stay connected with the word and prayer. So a culture of, uh, of evangelism, a culture of word and prayer, a culture of the presence of God everywhere they preach, everywhere they gather, everywhere they pray, the presence of God was there, a culture of power and authority, because that's what you see, a culture of power and authority. And you see that in Book of Acts, chapter 3, verses 1 and on. And then you see a culture of demonstrations of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit continued to be present after Pentecost. And that's something that sometimes we lack. We forget the Holy Spirit. We leave him on chapter 2. But the Holy Spirit has to be active in every service of our churches. One of the things that uh, that you mentioned about uh, the different languages that were spoken on the day of Pentecost is uh, you, you go back to Genesis where man was speaking all one language and because of his sin, God divided the earth up into different groups. But here again, when the on the day that the church was born, all the languages of those that were listening, the the gospel was preached where, you know, it says that uh, those who were speaking were speaking in all the different dialects and they mm-hmm. were hearing uh, the different praises of God. So once again, you, you hit the nail on the head, uh, the empowerment of the spirit, uh, evangelism, the communication of what God was doing, but People got to hear it in in all their different languages, and sin had divided all the people groups into uh, different languages. But in Christ, the day the church was born, everything came back under Christ. God was restoring uh, people back to himself through through salvation. Um, Mm -hmm. Interesting uh, interesting dynamic. Uh, I think you hit the nail on the head. Uh, it, it wasn't about the languages that were spoken. It was about the transformation that, that took place. Um, just even looking at Peter, you know, Peter uh, goes and hides and denies the Lord three times. But then after Pentecost, um, on the day of Pentecost, he stands up and preaches. <laughs> and talks, yeah. It says, this is what the prophet said in in Joel chapter 2. This is what the prophet said, is what you're seeing here. Uh, and then the, then they had 3,000 conversions that day. One, yeah. of the things, uh, one of the things that, um, that I've observed during this time of COVID-19 has, um, with the body of Christ, the corporate prayer in the, mini- the, the churches, 
is that um, everyone has known someone that has had the virus. And the corporate prayer, without even the acknowledgement of their prayers, I've, I've noticed the prayers even on Facebook, there is a cry of desperation. There is a cry of in, that is in, uh, very um, intense and passion, and some even of repentance as they pray for the individuals. When maybe before it wasn't as intense, uh, maybe it wasn't uh, so much of, um, you know, I, I'm seeing more that, that, that God's body is, uh, is they're, they're being raised in their faith. Uh, faith is exemplified. Uh, it seems as though there are uh, acknowledgement and desiring to see the sign of healing, divine healing from God, and without knowing. And here the people of the Lord are praying corporately. And uh, those are just observations that during this time, you know, as uh, we have preached behind the pulpits, now here is the manifestation. Here is where God's people corporately are praying for a manifestation, praying, oh, this brother, oh, I know him, I know this family, I know, and my goodness, here we, here we come. And uh, all of a sudden, there's an intensity in our prayer there's a raising of faith, there's repentance, and saying, God, uh, hear our prayer. And um, there's mercy, and there's love, and there's grace, and uh, at times there is healing. And does one of the most powerful—go go ahead, Dr. Horn. No, I just said, uh, does that make any sense? In other words, I'm seeing that the church corporately is coming yes. together saying, uh, for a specific cause. There is intensity. Yes. Now, yeah. we maybe we don't know, or maybe we do. It's just an observation that I've seen where God's people are, have just now come together and saying, okay, God, now I'm ready to, 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 to really be serious about this thing because uh, I'm going to pray, and Lord, uh, increase my faith. Because uh, So there's a passion, there's intensity, there's also a repentance of saying, Lord, uh, you know, hear my prayer, and Lord, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> and there's just something about how people repent before they pray so that their prayers might be answered. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. But Yes, people are praying a little bit different now. People are praying a little bit different now. A little different. A little different. We are all. We are all praying a little bit different. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. In, 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 you see, in Pentecost, when Pentecost came on Chapter 2, that broke, Dr. Roland, Dr. Horn, it broke the mold, the old mold. That's what happened. With COVID-19, I mean, that's exactly what happened. It changed our agendas. It changed our structure. It changed our strategies. It changed our direction. I mean, it changed everything. It changed our lives. This is what's happening right now. That's the reason why I'm, you know, as, as bad as everything sounds right now, I have to say that God is in the midst of this because he has broke every mold that we've had for so many years. We've been doing and we are doing things right now that we never thought we were, we were, we were going to be doing as a church. 
I'll give you a brief example. Uh, I mean, uh, before COVID, we were always very involved with the community and helping the community as, as much as possible. Uh, we were on Facebook doing uh, uh, social media, not as much as we're doing it right now. But I'll give you, I'll give you an example. In the last two months, in the last two months, we've been touching so many people through our social, through social media. In fact, I can give you numbers because we have those numbers. We've been t- touching between 30 and 40,000 people a month for the last two months. Crazy. Wow! I'm not going to have. I'm not going to have a church. I'm not going to have a church with thirty thousand members. I know that, but I have. I've been touching between thirty and forty thousand people in the last two months. We were feeding the hungry, you know. We were doing like 120, 140, 150 families a month. Well, watch this. Right now, in the month of April, May, and part of June, we, we've already put food on 4,000 people in two and a half months. We've been putting food on tables of 4,000 people. So this is a big change. We never thought that our ministry would, cha- would change from the pulpit to a table. And that's what's happening today, Dr. Orr. And we need to be open to that. And God is breaking every mold. God is breaking our strategies so that we can change. I don't want to go back to church and do the same thing. I don't want to go back to church now and have services again. I want to go back to church with, uh, with this new concept that God has given me, especially the last three months. Wow. You know, uh, speaking of change... We see that with the Hebrew church in the the book of Acts, you mentioned uh, chapter 6, where they had grown so much that there was a complaint about not all the widows were being served. So they had to appoint new leadership to take care of that, uh, mm-hmm. which became deacons. And then uh, you see in the in uh, the story of Cornelius how God speaks to him through an angel, and he sends for Peter. And then Peter comes over there, and in the household of um, Cornelius, the the spirit falls on everybody. And Peter's like, you know, this this is different. The Gentiles are are receiving receiving the same thing that we've received. So mm-hmm. even for the early church, it was a a tremendous paradigm shift. And uh, you, you're correct. Uh, all of us, all of our churches are are scrambling. Uh, some are doing much better than others, but everybody um, has been forced into to rethinking things, and that's that's a good thing. Yes, that's a that's it a is. real good thing. It is a very very good thing. Again, I feel that the church. I mean, everything has shaken. I mean, all the way from economics, education, uh, politics. Everything has changed. Everything has been shaken. And like I said, even the church, I don't remember, I don't remember, I don't remember having a service for, for 70 people in the last many, many, many years. In fact, I don't, I don't remember the day when I had 70 people on a Sunday morning service. But it's happening now. 
I've been telling some of the pastor friends here, it's like having to start all over again, you know, all over again. So God is bringing the church back, but with a new heart, a new mentality. And that's something that I like because I've been having, we've been having our worship services. And I mean, you can tell now that people are committed to worship. All of a sudden, God becomes uh, real to them as they worship, as they hear the word of God. I see enthusiasm. I, I feel a, a, a different atmosphere when we pray, a different atmosphere when we sing, a different atmosphere when I preach. I see people responding to the message. So I'm seeing a different church coming back. That means that God did something for them during this week's. Well, as we conclude our podcast, what final thoughts would you like to share with everyone? Well, there's so many things that I would like to share, Dr. Horn, but uh, I would like to say to our pastor friends, I know that many of them, uh, I mean, you can get discouraged you, if you go back to church. I have a, I have a pastor friend in the area uh, that has a church with 800 members, and this past Sunday, they had 60 people in attendance. There's one of the biggest ministers here in our area that has a church with over 4,000 people. They had 200 people at church on Sunday. Another pastor friend of mine, a good friend of mine, uh, he called me and he said, Pastor, should I continue having services? I only had seven people at church on Sunday. Another pastor friend from Reynosa, he came down and he said, Pastor, uh, the churches are dying. Most of the pastors are having to go back and do, uh, uh, and do secular work because they don't have, they don't have uh, food on their tables. So I just want to say to us, the pastors that are going back to the pulpits, don't get discouraged if you receive only 20 people, 30 people, 40 people, 10 people, 5 people, whatever the number is, don't get discouraged. If those people that are there are committed to come, work with the committed Work with those that have a passion. Work with those that have a heart. Work with those that have a vision. Work with those that have a mission. Work with those that are coming in, whether it's a small group or a large group. Work with them. Because we might have to start all over again. That's the way I'm seeing it right now. It's like having to start all over again. But I'm seeing a different crowd coming in. Even the people that belong to church, I'm seeing a different crowd coming in. Like uh, Dr. Roland was mentioning right now, there's more passion when they pray. There's more passion when they sing. There's more heart when they lift their, 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 their hearts and their prayers towards heaven. There's more. So that little group, that small group, might make the difference in your church. Good words. Yes, very and, good words. And, and above all, brother, uh, I have seen... Um, there's more tears. Uh, yes. There's not only the intensity of prayer, but there's more tears in praying for the lost and for uh, for those that are ill, for those that are definitely in uh, in need. And so that's a good word, my brother. Yes, sir. And and the other, uh, let me just say something else here, uh, Doctor Horn. I mean, we are hearing right now uh, that the White House is praying. 
that leaders are coming in to the White House to pray. I hear people uh, today praying all the way from the White House to the smallest house in our communities. So when prayer becomes a key, uh, the devil should get a little bit nervous, okay? Yeah. Because I'm hearing prayer all the way from the White House. I'm hearing that some people, not everybody, but in Congress, there's a group of people praying. In the House, there's a group of people praying. In the White House, there's a group of people praying. In, uh, in our governor's mention right now, there's a group of people praying. So I hear the word prayer, 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 prayer all over the place. And the end results, the end result of everything that is happening right now is going to be the greatest move that the church has ever experienced. I don't think COVID-19 is going to defeat the purpose. I think the purpose of everything that is happening right now, which I strongly feel that God is involved in this, I think is going to cause the greatest move ever, ever in the history of this nation. Well, as we close, would you lead us in prayer, however you feel led to pray? Um, I, I would just ask, based on what you just said, uh, that God would make us uh, attentive to to what his direction is and how we need to respond. So if you would, Pastor, please close us out in prayer. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Father, we thank you. We thank you for so many things, Father, that are happening right now. In spite of what the enemy is trying to do, in spite of what we hear on the news, in spite of what we hear around our communities, around our, our areas, in spite of what we hear of people talking on their tables, Father, I believe that you have purpose in the midst of this crisis. There's a purpose in the midst of this crisis. I don't believe that you're not in it. I believe that you are in it. And this is going to be, Father, uh, this is going to cause a ripple effect to where we are going to see your hand in a mighty, mighty, mighty way. Father, I pray for our association here in San Antonio. I pray, Father, for the leadership under Dr. Horn. I pray for every pastor, Father, that right now is struggling in their communities, in their areas. I pray for those that are doing well, Father. I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus for every person, every person in this nation, that is bowing to you, that is, that is falling on their face, praying and believe that something is going to happen in this last days, Father. Mm -hmm. I thank you for the opportunity, and I pray, Father, I pray that this nation will see the greatest move ever, Father. I thank you. We are a leading nation, and if we are talking about prayer, Father, I pray that this prayer will make an impact on many people around the world. Thank you, Father. Thank you for what you're doing. And thank you for, for this season, Father. It is a different season 
for many a hard season, but Father, is a season where you are in our midst. Thank you again, Father, for this opportunity. In Jesus' name I pray and I thank you. Amen and amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us today. If you're listening to our podcast today, we we want to thank you for taking the time. We pray that God has blessed you and encouraged you today from the words that were spoken. If you haven't listened to any of our other podcasts uh, here at Saba, we would encourage you to go back and listen to some of the other podcasts. Our uh, mission statement is to connect, encourage, and support churches for kingdom impact. We are here to serve you. We are here for kingdom impact. And Pastor Juan has uh, so beautifully mentioned that in the, the podcast today. Once again, thank you, Pastor Juan. Thank you, Dr. Lopez, for being a part of this. And we look forward to you hearing our next podcast. So watch our um, communications on Facebook and social media. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Sabbath Talks podcast. We look forward to continuing our conversation next time in hopes of better connecting, encouraging, and supporting churches for Kingdom Impact.